Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Say that again, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. New Year's resolutions, 2023. Many of you probably made those and you probably referenced those to health, finances, relationships, career. How many of us in this room or how many people watching made a New Year's resolution related to your soul? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Uh, Let me ask you these questions just to kind of set the sermon series up. And you'll see whether you need this sermon series or not. Have you lost the joy of your salvation? Does your soul need to be restored? What the psalmist say, he restores my soul. When you look at your life, do you find yourself tired, exhausted, fatigued, stressed, overwhelmed, empty? If you answered yes to any of those questions, you need this sermon series entitled Soul Care from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. As we think about this sermon series, we we come to this conclusion. It's about health. It's about unhealth as well. And many times in life, we look at life and there's a, a private side to life and there's a public side to life. And we often separate those two things. But when you look at your private life, is your soul healthy? When you look at your public life, is your soul healthy? Uh, I was in a conversation, Angie and I together one, one time, one day with, uh, it was a pastor's wife. We were sitting around a round table. She'd made an appointment to have a meeting with us. The question of the meeting was, is it okay for a pastor to gamble? Private life, public life. Her conclusion was, what you do in private really doesn't affect what you do in public. So she concluded it was okay. Again, her husband was a pastor. It was okay for him to gamble in his private life because that's private. No one sees that. You can imagine my conversation with her. I disagreed based on God's word with her because I said based on God's word, he cares what you do in private just as he cares what you do in public. You can't separate the two. And then we come and we think about the church as well. Is the church healthy? Because we focus a lot in church life on church growth, but we don't focus a lot on church health. The truth of the matter is, if we're going to be a growing church, then we have to be a healthy church. Are we a healthy church? Are you a healthy church member? When I look at my life as your pastor, am I a healthy pastor? Dr. David Cho, who pastors one of the largest churches in the world in Korea, when he teaches their membership class, like we're going to do here in a few weeks, he'll use a three-legged stool to talk about the vision and values of their church. And when he does that, he says this. When you look at this, and again, I don't have a three-legged stool, but you can look at those camera tripods because if one of those legs come off, those cameras are going to fall. And so all three are essential. And so when you, one of the largest churches in the world, Dr. David Cho says this, here are the three values of their church. And I give them to you. One is prayer. He believes if their church is going to be healthy, then they have to be a praying church. I would agree with him. The Lord Jesus said, my house will be called the house of prayer. So we need to be a praying church. 8.15 on Sunday mornings, encourage you to be here and pray with us every Sunday morning. 
The second part, he says this, is small groups. He says, we want to be a praying church, but we also know if we're going to be a healthy church, we need to get our people into small groups. They need relationships with one another. If we're going to close the back door of the church, then you have to get relationally connected to other people. I would say that would be a great goal for you in 2023. Get in a connect group, a small group. Get connected with other brothers and sisters in Christ. So you got prayer, you got small groups, and here's the third leg, and here's what it is. Touch not the glory. Pastor Cho says this, that if we're going to be a healthy church, what happens on the platform, what happens in other areas, what happens under lights, the glory goes to Almighty God, not to a person on the platform. It is to Almighty God. And so they say, if they're going to be a healthy church, we've got to be a praying church. We've got to get people in small groups. But we also must make sure that the glory of what God is doing goes to him, not to anyone who's on the platform or in the church life. Touch not the glory. I thought it was interesting. Worship was missing. Preaching was missing. Social ministry was missing. Prayer, small groups, and touch not the glory. Is our church healthy? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Robert Ketchum wrote a book years ago entitled, I Shall Not Want. And in there, he talks about this Sunday school teacher on a Sunday morning had a group of small children. And she asked her class, is anyone in the group, can you quote the 23rd Psalm? Several hands went up in the room. And so she asked one little girl, four-and-a-half-year-old girl, do you really believe you can quote the entire 23rd Psalm? And she said, yes, I can quote the 23rd Psalm. So she said to the little girl, why don't you come up and do that in front of the class? The little girl gets up out of her chair. She walks up and stands in front of her Sunday school class. She makes a little bow, and then she starts quoting the 23rd Psalm. And she says this, the Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I want. And then she took another little bow, and she went back, and she sat down. Now, we know the little girl missed most of Psalm 23, but I would say from David's heart, she captured the message of Psalm 23. Can you say this morning, the Lord is my shepherd and that's all I want? I pray that you can. Well, as we think about this message, the Lord is my shepherd, we know David again is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the one who has written Psalm 23. David did not write from the perspective of a shepherd. And again, when you look at David, I mean, when David was growing up, he didn't have a paper route. He didn't deliver pizzas. He didn't mow lawns. He was a shepherd boy. He worked out in the fields caring for sheep. He could have written this psalm from the perspective of a shepherd because he knew what it was like to shepherd and to lead sheep. Interesting enough, David, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote the 23rd Psalm from the perspective of a sheep. Now, if that's the case, which that is the case, you and I need to know something about sheep. Because in God's Word, over 200 times in the Bible, God refers to His people as sheep. And so if God sees you and me as sheep, then we need to know something about sheep. So I want to give you some words here that are not on the outline. You have to write these in because I want you to know something about sheep because he is our good shepherd. We are the sheep of his pastor and we are dependent upon a shepherd. So here, here are the three words. Number one, sheep aren't smart. You need to know that. Sheep aren't smart. As you think about sheep, you look at sheep, and sheep are dependent upon a shepherd. They, they need the guidance of a shepherd. You can train an elephant, you can train lions, you can train whales, but you can't train sheep that way. 
Why? Because sheep just aren't smart. How many times do, do we find ourselves, even us in life, not super smart either, saying, why in the world did I say that? Why in the world did I do that? You know why? We're just not that smart. We need the care and the guidance of a shepherd. I told somebody over Christmas break, I said, as sheep, in many ways, we are one step away from stupid in life. I mean, just one step away. That's, that's the behavior of sheep. They just aren't smart. And so when you're not smart, you need the wisdom of a shepherd. We need a shepherd in life. Second word is sheep aren't smart, but sheep aren't clean either. When you look at sheep, their wool gets all sort of dirt and dust in them. There's all sorts of insects get in there. It's just a mess because sheep aren't clean. They're very different than cats. Cats have this instinct in them to clean themselves. Sheep will not clean themselves. They, they just aren't clean animals. Well, here's the good news. Sometimes you and I aren't that clean either. And I'm not talking about just bathing. Here's what I'm talking about. Do you ever have thoughts that just aren't honoring unto God in life? Am I speaking to anyone here this morning? Do you ever find yourself doing things and think, God, why did I say that and why did I do that? Sometimes it just aren't clean. And here's the truth of the matter. You and I, dead in sin, we aren't clean either, but we can't clean ourselves. That's why we need a shepherd in life. That's why we sing the song, What Jesus Paid It All. I mean, you and I couldn't do that. We couldn't clean ourselves, but we are clean in the eyes of God because the good shepherd, the son of God, the savior of the world laid down his life on a cross and shed his blood and we have forgiveness in him. Why? Because he gave his life. He paid it all for you and for me. So sheep aren't smart. Sheep aren't clean. Number three, sheep aren't strong. A sheep can't defend themselves very well, so when predators come, they need a shepherd to protect them because sheep aren't strong. I mean, you look at lions, super strong. You look at whales, amazingly strong. Elephants are strong. Not, not sheep. Sheep aren't strong. Angie and I had a little miniature schnauzer years and years ago named Daisy. She weighed about 17 pounds, but she thought she could take on a 100-pound dog. That's not going to be the world of sheep. Sheep need a shepherd to protect them in life. And here's what I can say to you as parents and grandparents. Can you always protect your kids and your grandkids? And the answer is no. Why? Because you can't see them 24-7. That's why you as moms and dads and grandparents, you need to do everything you can under the wisdom and the leadership of the Holy Spirit to make sure your kids and grandkids know Jesus as Savior in life because he needs to be their shepherd, because he's the one who can protect them 24-7. He always sees you and me. He will never leave us or forsake us. They need to know him as the shepherd of their lives. So when you think about sheep, sheep aren't smart, one step away from stupid. Sheep aren't clean. We can't clean ourselves, but thank God Jesus paid it all, and sheep aren't strong. That's why we need a shepherd who's going to protect us in life sheep. Now, as you think about Psalm 23, I hope you know this, that when you look at the 23rd Psalm, the first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That is the theme verse of the entire Psalm. Verses two through six are the benefits of verse one. And we're going to get into those starting next week. So the theme verse of the 23rd Psalm, really the theme verse of the Christian life is the entire 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. And then everything else after that are benefits related to him being the good shepherd of our lives. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, here's what I would say this morning. 
And I said to somebody over the weekend, when I think about the 23rd Psalm, I rejoice that I can say because as a young boy sitting on our basement steps, I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ to be my Savior. I turned from my sin and I trusted His grace, love, and forgiveness to save me. I can say the Lord is my shepherd. But how many of us struggle with saying, I shall not want? It's a challenge for many of us in life, especially life in this country in America, because we are being inundated with messages that lead to this contentment. So I want us to walk through this here for a moment, 23rd Psalm, and help you understand what this means. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Number one, understand that the shepherd protects. The shepherd protects you and me. Angie and I were in a meeting one day in Atlanta. So we were going to drive north, coming back toward Kentucky. So we were coming up through Dalton, Georgia, Chattanooga. And so we get to Chattanooga. And I say to Angie, I'm just a little bit tired. Why don't we pull over somewhere as we get through the city? And then you can drive for a while and drive us back to Nashville in that area. So we found a rest stop as we get through Tennessee or Chattanooga. We pull over in there. She's under the driving. She's driving now. I'm in the passenger seat. And so we start up. 24, coming up Mont Eagle. I'm asleep by that point. And all of a sudden, in the passenger side, I hear a crash. And as we were driving up 24 up Mont Eagle, there was an RV, big RV, that came over into our lane and hit us in the side of our car. Angie was amazing because she stayed focused and she kept the car under control so that she was able to slow down so that we didn't lose control of the car. And so when we pulled off the side of the interstate to understand what in the world just happened, we found ourselves pausing for a moment and saying this, Lord, thank you for protecting us right in this very moment. The Lord is our protector. Let me ask you in this series as we began, when you look at your life, Can you share a story of how the Lord's protected you? When you look at your family, can you share a story to say, this was the protection of the good shepherd in our family? When we look at this church, can we share stories to say, this is the protection of God over this church? He is a protector. Why? He is a good, good shepherd. Now, as we walk through that, I think about David again. David had been a shepherd, and he knew what it was like to lead sheep. He also knew what it was like to protect sheep, and he knew what it was like to be protected. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, the story of David and Goliath, and here's what it says in verse 37. And David said, The Lord, who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from this Philistine, this giant. What does David mean? He said, I was protecting the sheep, so I dealt with a lion and with a bear. David understood protection. And he went on to say this in verse 45, then David said to the Philistine, to the giant, you come with me a sword, with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. David is saying, listen, I protected the sheep, but the good shepherd is protecting me as well. Why? The Lord is my shepherd. David understood the protection of the shepherd. Now, here's what I want you to write in your blanks. When you think about the protection of the shepherd, what does that mean? I want to give you these three words. Number one, he loves. You need to know today the shepherd loves you. The shepherd loves you unconditionally as well. Here's what I mean by that. No matter the sins of your life, the shepherd loves you. No matter the storms, the adversity, what's going on in your life right now, the shepherd loves you. 
You need to celebrate on this Sunday, second Sunday of 2023, that you have a good shepherd who protects you and who loves you. He will never, ever stop loving you. The shepherd cares for you. Second, the shepherd listens. The shepherd listens to you and me. The shepherd listens as we praise and worship him. The shepherd listens as we thank him for his many blessings to us in life. Again, we will never outgive him. Thank God for his generosity in our lives. The shepherd listens to us as we cry out to him saying, God, I need help in life. My life is coming apart. I don't know what to do. I need help. The shepherd listens to you and me. See, the question is not whether the shepherd is listening to you and me or not. He is listening to us, but are we listening to the shepherd? Are we listening to him? The shepherd cares, protects us. Why? He loves us and he listens to us. Number three, he leads us. The shepherd is going to be one who leads. We see that all through the 23rd Psalm, the shepherd leads. Here's what I would encourage you. When you look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean down on your own understanding and all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. You need to realize he is guiding and leading you in your life. So you should get up every morning of your life, spend time with him and say, good shepherd, how do you want to lead me today in life? I am dependent upon you. And as he loves you, as he listens to you, as he leads you, he is protecting you as one of his sheep. But the shepherd is going to protect. Number two, rejoice that the shepherd positions. Here's what the good shepherd does. He knows every need of the sheep. He knows when the sheep need to eat. He knows when they need to drink water. He needs to know when they need to move. He needs to know when they need to lie down and rest. He knows everything about the sheep. And the shepherd will do everything he can to make sure his sheep are going to be taken care of. He positions them at the right place at the right time. How is he positioning you in your life? You're one of his sheep. You can say the Lord is my shepherd. How is he positioning you? should give you these words here. How does he do that? Number one, we're saved. That's a strong statement right there. When you can say the Lord is my shepherd, what you're saying is your life has been changed. Jesus has saved you. I want to ask you, kids, students, adults, when did you come to know Christ as your personal Savior? When did you realize you were lost? When did you realize you had sinned against him? When did you realize that he was the only way to be saved? And when did you turn from your sin and come to Christ? Repent of your sin, put your trust in him. When did you do that in your life? Can you say that you're saved? Can you say, the Lord is my shepherd? And you say, well, how do I know if he's my shepherd or not? Let me give you this understanding. I want you to turn to John's Gospel, chapter 10. When you think about, is he my shepherd or not? How are you going to know that? Here's what's going to happen. Jesus is not going to be your shepherd because you live a good life. Jesus is not going to be your shepherd because you do good deeds. Jesus is not going to be the shepherd of your life because you do religious things. Jesus is going to be the shepherd of your life because of his sinless life, his sacrificial death, his glorious resurrection, and his born-again transformation of his grace in your life. That's how Jesus becomes your shepherd. As you look at John chapter 10, verse 27, the Bible says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. Do you know his voice? 
I know them. Does the shepherd know you? And they follow me. So when you look at your life, am I one of his sheep? Am I saved? What do you hear his voice? Does he know you? And are you following him in your life? Because if you're one of his sheep, you know his voice and you are following him in your life. Are you following Jesus in your life? This is an interesting thing about sheep. Many times in Israel, water is very difficult to find. And so when a shepherd finds water, he's always going to lead his sheep to the water area where they can get a drink of water. We'll talk more about that next week. But here's the interesting part. Sometimes when a shepherd sees a body of water, he's going to lead his sheep to that body of water. There are also other shepherds and other sheep there. So this shepherd's going to lead his sheep to this body of water. And the sheep are going to intermingle with one another. And so when it's time to leave, how does a shepherd know which sheep is his? Fascinating. And here's what it is. That shepherd is going to call out to his sheep, and guess what? His sheep are going to come to him. You know why? Because they know his voice. Uh, They don't know the voice of the other shepherd. They know the voice of their shepherd. Do you know his voice? Does he know you? And are you following him in your life? So, So when we look at positions, that's one, we're saved. Number two, we're secure. You and I have written to realize what they say in this passage in John chapter 10. He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one will ever snatch them out of my hand. When you and I come to Christ, we are saved forever. We may sin. We may disobey. We may turn away from him. But if you are saved, you are eternally secure in Jesus Christ as your Savior, as your good shepherd. Now, please understand, eternal security, this is theology here. Eternal security is not a license to sin. When you know him as your good shepherd, you know his voice, he knows you and you are following him, you do not want to be involved in habitual sin in your life. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you and the Holy Spirit is not only going to guide you, the Holy Spirit is going to convict you when you sin against God. And so we are saved, we're also secure in him. And then number three, we share. We share that that the Lord is our shepherd. Aren't you grateful that in Psalm 23, 1, David had the courage to be a witness to say, the Lord is my personal pronoun, shepherd. He didn't hesitate, he wasn't embarrassed. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. He was sharing his salvation story. Now, I want to ask you this very personally, those who are students in the room, and even those who are students who are watching, do your classmates know that Jesus is the Savior of your life? Do they know that? Uh, to those who are going to go to the workplace tomorrow, in your workplace, do people in your workplace know that Jesus is the Savior of your life? And I want to ask you this, if life ended for you this afternoon, I pray it doesn't. I pray the Lord has many, many more days, months, and years for you in life. But if life ended today, would those closest to you in your family know that Jesus is the Savior of your life? Do they know that? Years ago, when I was serving in northern Kentucky, right outside of Cincinnati, there was a local funeral home. They would call me almost every week. And they would call and say, Pastor, we have a family here, no church connection, loved one passed away, 
Uh, are you available to come and do the memorial service for their loved one? And, and if my schedule would allow, I'd say I'd be glad to do it. What time's the service? One o'clock, I'll be there at 1230. If I can meet with the family, 15 or 20 minutes, I'd like to ask them a few questions before the memorial service. Service at one o'clock, I'd show up at 1230. I'd find a room somewhere. We'd meet with the family. I'd sit down with them and I'd say, can you tell me any information about your loved one? And here's what family members start saying. Well, he was a hard worker. She was a great cook. It's amazing what kind of pies she could make. Drove an old truck. Faithful as a mother. Uh, here's somebody, again, loves sports, and they would talk about their sports team, go through all those things like that. And then I would transition to come, tell me about your loved one's involvement in church. Do you know which church maybe they attended, involved that, those things? How many families I spoke with, again, 20 minutes before the memorial service now, would say, I really don't know if he or she ever went to church or not. I don't really know. And not to my knowledge. And then here was the big question. Do you know anything about your loved one's personal relationship with Jesus Christ in life? Now we're probably 15 minutes away from the service. Family after family after family would say, I know nothing about his or her relationship with Christ. Nothing. Let me ask you, would your loved ones, your classmates, people you work with, would they know that you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ in your life? And here's what I challenge you to do in this sermon series over the next number of weeks. Take out a pencil and a piece of paper, electronic device. Type out your testimony of when you came to know Jesus as your shepherd in your life. Just write it out. You say, well, I'm not a very good writer. Well, take some kind of device and make a recording to say, here's when I came to Jesus to save me and to change me in life. Make a recording of that. Set someone down. Set your family down and say, I want you to know this. You know a lot about what I cook and what I do and everything else, but I want you to know something about my spiritual relationship with Jesus. Share your story, your testimony with somebody. Make sure they know your story, that you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I was on Thursday afternoon in a medical office, just a annual visit I have with this doctor. And, and the Holy Spirit just led me in that medical office. The doctor walked in and said, how are you doing? And I said, doctor, I appreciate you asking, but let me ask you this. How are you doing? And then from there, over the next probably 15, 20 minutes, the Lord opened the door with that medical doctor. I could share the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. And that medical doctor sat in that room Thursday afternoon weeping in that room about the goodness and the grace of God and life. Share your story. Because when the shepherd positions you, yes, we're saved, yes, we're secure, but somewhere we need to share. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. Who are you saying that to? We share. I've got a couple of minutes to do point three. Here it is. Trust that the shepherd provides. When I think about God's word, and I, I'll just be transparent with you. When I think about God's word, I, again, I don't have an issue with the Lord is my shepherd. Sometimes the challenge is saying I shall not want. 
Anybody in this room struggle with discontentment? Contentment? Anybody? I hope it's not just me. Uh, as I was preparing this message the other day, I got an email from a golf company and said, you need to make your dreams come true, and then it had Pebble Beach on it. Uh, it literally, as I was preparing the message, and I thought, Lord, I mean, Pebble Beach is not even close to home, and, and I promise you the green fees aren't $30 to go play Pebble Beach. It, it's about discontentment. It's about contentment in life. Listen to these verses, challenging verses. Luke chapter 3, here's what the Bible says. Be content with your wages. How many of us are content with what we make? How many of us are discontent? Here, here's another one, very challenging, out of Second Corinthians. Paul says this. He just said, for the sake of Christ, then, I am content. Listen to what he said. I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How many of us could say that? I am content. I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. I'm weak with that. Just, just more verses when you look at 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6. The Bible says, but if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. Are you content? And then, then one more and then we'll move on. Hebrews 13. Now the Bible says this. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Are you content? Let me give you some signs of discontentment. Number one, financial bondage. There are many people who struggle with contentment in life. They're discontent. And what do they do? They spend more than they make. There are many people financially in trouble. Why? Because they spend more than they make. Financial bondage is a sign of contentment or discontentment in life. Number two, relational weaknesses. There are many relationships not strong as they should be. Why? Because of discontentment in life. Let me give you these three words. One, dissatisfied. I'm looking for someone to do something in a relationship that they don't have the capacity or the capability to do. So because of that, I've got a need. So I'm not looking to the good shepherd to get it met. I'm looking to somebody else in a relationship. I'm dissatisfied, a sign of discontentment. Second word is overextended. How many people are so busy and overextended in life that they're going, 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 trying to climb the ladder of success, get more and more toys, more and more stuff? What happens? They put relationships on the back burner, and what happens? Relationships suffer when you put the world before those relationships. Number three, insecurity. There are many people in life just discontent. Because they're insecure about who they are in life. They say, if I could look like him or her, if I could do what he or she does, if I had the things that he or she has in life, then I'd be content. Stop the comparison game in your life. The good shepherd loves you for who you are in life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Are you content? There was an American businessman one time, he was in Mexico. He was there on vacation, enjoying some time, and he was, he was around this dock, and so he saw this little boat coming into the dock and had one fisherman in the boat, and so the boat pulls in, and the fisherman is there, and an American businessman was able to look into the boat and see a number of beautiful fish in there, and they were actually yellowfin tunas. So the American businessman said to this Mexican fisherman to say, those are some good-looking fish, and so the fisherman had a comment or two about it. And so the American said to the Mexican fisherman, how long did it take you to catch those? And the fisherman said, really not very long at all. 
And so the American, as we would typically do, standing on this dock with this Mexican fisherman there said, so so if it didn't take you very long, why aren't you still out there fishing and getting more fish? And the fisherman said, well, this is all I need from my family today. And the Lord will take care of our needs every day. This is all I need. This is all I wanted. And so then the American came along and said, well, I mean, that took so little of your time. What do you do with the rest of your day then? And the fisherman said, oh, sir, I have a very, very busy life. There's a lot going on in my life. He said, I, I sleep late. And he said, I, I fish some. He said, I play with my kids. I take a siesta with my wife in the afternoons. And then he said, I play the guitar with my friends as well. And then the American said, you know, I have an MBA from Harvard. And he said, if you would be open to it, I could teach you how to make a lot of money in the fishing industry. Uh, you could catch more fish. You could buy bigger boats. You could even take your company public. You could literally make millions of dollars. I could train you and teach you how to do that. And, and the Mexican fisherman said, sir, that sounds interesting. How long would that take to be able to do the, all of those things you just mentioned? And the American said, it'd probably take 10 to 15 years. You would be able to retire and you could have a great life. And then, then the fisherman said, well, sir, what happens after that? And then the American said, well, you could retire. You could move to a small Mexican coastal community. You could sleep late. You could fish a little. You could take a siesta with your wife and you could play with your kids and then you could play the guitar with your friends. And the Mexican fisherman said, sir, I am content in life because that's what I do every single day now. Let me ask you two things. Can you honestly say today, the Lord is my shepherd? And second, can you say, I shall not want. Let's bow together. Frank Sinatra and Elvis recorded a song, I did it my way. In the 23rd Psalm, David is saying, I didn't do it, and talking about life, I didn't do it my way, I did it the shepherd's way. Let me ask you, are you trying to do life your way or are you trying to do life the shepherd's way? When you do life the shepherd's way, you surrender your life to him. You give him your heart and life. You can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Uh, When you're doing life the shepherd's way, you know that he's protecting you. You know he's positioned you because you're saved and you're secure and you're sharing your story. But you also know that the shepherd is always going to provide for you. So you can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You can say that. So today as kids, students, adults, can you say, the Lord is my shepherd? And can you say, I shall not want? In this time of response, uh, we're going to sing, Jesus paid it all. Because the only way you can say that is because he did pay it all. And so our pastoral team is going to be here. We welcome you to come forward this morning and say, I don't know him as my shepherd, but I want to. I'm struggling with discontentment in life. I I want to find contentment. I need the shepherd to help me. We'd love to pray with you and counsel you from God's word how you can find peace in your life today. And so in this invitation, if you need to give your life to Jesus, come forward. If you need to follow him in believer's baptism like we witnessed at the beginning of our service, 2023, come forward. 
You need to join the fellowship of this church. You need the people of God. You need the other sheep in your life. Come forward this morning and join the fellowship of our church. God's calling you to be an under-shepherd, serve in ministry. You come forward today. Or you're just struggling in the Christian life because you know the Lord is your shepherd, but you're not smart, you're not clean, but also you're not strong, and you need his help today as the good shepherd of your life. Come forward and surrender your life to him. And then the world's trying to convince you that the stuff you have is not enough. You need more and more and more. But you just come and say, Lord, I need you to give me contentment in life. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Lord Jesus, thank you for paying it all. All to you we owe. And so, Father, I pray in the room and those who are watching online, whatever platform they're on, whatever spiritual decision they need to make, what a wonderful Sunday to make a life-changing spiritual decision and be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And so, Father, we leave the results to you. And we pray for surrender in this room and thank you that you gave your life and everything for us and you paid it all and all to you we owe and we surrender to you at this very moment and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.